0: We're continuing our series in Luke, and I want to start by asking you: Have you ever, have you ever been to, or have you ever seen one of these things—a jobs expo, careers expo? Um, maybe it's more of a kind of recent thing, particularly for high school students. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, we had a careers advisor, and at kind of towards the end of school, in that senior school period, they got us all together and they let us loose in one of these things, a career expo, or remember it was at the local um, entertainment centre and there was kids there from all different schools and there was representatives from lots of different industries come to try and persuade us to pursue jobs, to pursue careers in their in their area. And they tried to sell it, don't they? Now, the general line is that careers, careers advisors, teachers are selling these days is you can be anything you want Um, It's a lie, but it's it's what they're going with. But they try and sell different careers, don't they? They try and sell things like, think about the, the wages you could earn in this career. Think about the starting salaries. They range from this to this. Think about the career prospects, where it might take you, what steps up the ladder you might be able to pursue. They try and sell things like, there's great professional development involved. You get trained and you get educated and you might get to pursue these different courses. You don't just work, you get to learn and develop as well. Maybe it's the flexible hours. Maybe it's the other job benefits, the prospect of travel that's involved, getting to see different parts of the world is part of your job. That's some of the things that we were sold, we were promised at these careers expos all these potential things. Now, I don't know, it's all positive in this scenario. It's all what you might be able to achieve. There's nothing, nothing really is negative. Although, I don't know if you ever, have you ever tried to dissuade someone from pursuing a certain career? Because it can go the other way, can't it? You can can go the negative things about different jobs. Don't, don't, don't. The hours are too long. Don't be a doctor. You end up working eighty hours a week. It's just just takes over your life. Don't be a baker because you have to get up at like before you go to bed to get get to, like that's just it's not the kind of job that's gonna be you're gonna enjoy. And maybe it's more personal. Don't do that because of your personal skill set. It's just gonna clash. Maybe it's along some of these lines. Maybe don't pursue that because there's no avenues for you to actually advance. It's, a, it's already the end of the road in that job and you might feel like you're frustrated. Maybe because you know that someone's passion is in a different area and you dissuade them. That's just, you're going to be finding that frustrating. Well, as we read Luke chapter 10 today, what we find is Jesus sending out 72 disciples on a mission and it's kind of like he's setting them off on a career and yet everything he instructs them about seems to be kind of negative. <laughs> there's, there's so much here that well, would dissuade anyone from taking on this career. It's a career of great cost or costly discipleship and It's a costly career we're looking at today. The career of being one of Jesus' disciples, being on mission with Him. So if you turn with me to your Bibles, in Luke chapter 10, we're going to read together from 1 to 16. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of Him to every town and place where He was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you into uh, like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you're entering a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick, the sick who are there, and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazim. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. There it is. A costly career. It's what Jesus is inviting the disciples, or not just inviting, is he? Because he he doesn't give them a choice. He appoints them and sends them. He tells them the 72, in addition to the 12, because this is 72 others. He sends them out on this mission. And what is their mission? It's to go before Jesus to all the towns that he's approaching, to prepare them for Jesus himself as he comes. But everything, almost everything Jesus says, seems like this career is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It seems like it's not really the job you'd take on. It's a hard pitch at the Careers Expo. Hey, get involved in this. What, what do we know? You're going to be involved in the Lord's harvest field. It's not your own. You don't have a share in this company in the same way you're not going to profit from it. You're working in His field. There's a way in which things are out of your hand. It's And though... The harvest is plentiful. There's lots to do. You're not going to run out of work. You're working in His field. It's ultimately for His gain, for His glory, for His purpose. As you go, as He send you out, you're not just going to be with people who love you all the time. What are you going to be? Who are you going to be with? He says, "Go. I'm sending you." like lambs among wolves, there's going to be people there who are adversaries. There's going to be people around who are actually actively against you. There might be a threat to you, a danger, as they seek to, well, devour you, as they oppose the mission that the disciples are being sent on. There's danger involved. What else does Jesus tell these disciples about their mission? Well, he says travel light, doesn't he? Don't don't take lots of stuff. Don't stock up so that your journey will be comfortable and you've got everything you need. You've got your spare clothes. You've got plenty of provisions so you can stop and snack whenever you want. He doesn't say take your time and say hello to everyone along the road. No. What does he say? Don't take a purse or bag or sandals. Travel light. Don't greet anyone on the road. Don't get distracted. They are to be focused, not weighed down by extra provisions, not dilly-dallying on the way, not caught up with kind of temporary comfort and pleasures, personal preferences. They are to rely on others for everything they need. When they arrive at towns, they're to be expected to be shown hospitality, which you might think is a plus. And it is that the worker deserves his wages, Jesus says in verse 7. But... It's a little bit of a, it's a blessing, but it's also one you have to be graceful to accept, isn't it? To accept other people's hospitality isn't always easy. To be able to accept the food that you're given and not to be picky and go, well, I should have stayed at that house next door. They're serving. I can just smell it wafting over the fence. Like Jesus says, no, when you go there, Stay at a house, don't go shopping around for a better place. Accept what you're given. But we don't do hospitality like this these days, I don't think, do we? Uh, the hospitality that that where people come and we accept what people give us generously, uh, there's, there's, there's just so much expectation about hospitality being about impressing, about giving people exactly what they'd like about serving them. Uh, Just an illustration of this. uh, When I was at Christmas lunch, uh, one of my brother-in-laws was making tea and coffee and he he was like, it's nice. But just this mentality, he he asked me, you like a tea? Great, white, sugar, the kind of normal things. How do you want it? Uh, But he's like, how much milk do you want? Like what colour of tea do you want it in? This question that I think, it gets to the heart that there's, there's this kind of nervousness that he can't just expect to be able to serve something and someone to be able to receive it happily because it's, it's got to be just right. People have he's, he's learned this expectation of people that they want it to be precise. Otherwise, it's not going to be willingly accepted. Or Jesus says to the disciples, don't be like that. Accept whatever people serve up to you. There's a grace of accepting hospitality that the disciples need to have. And they're to be generous to others, not just in the way they accept hospitality, but in the way that they give the blessing of peace. Now we don't, we're not familiar with this, I don't think, these days, the giving blessings in this way. But it's a it's an invoca- an invocation of peace. You're asking God to bring about peace on the house. On the people who dwell there, it's like you're calling. Let peace, let there be peace here. It's calling. Let God's peace, and fullness, and health, and wholeness, let that be upon this house. And if the people reject you, don't worry about it. Jesus says, "Your peace, you're kind of like not leaving it out there hanging." You don't have to worry about kind of somehow clawing it back or something or retracting it, but don't worry about it. It'll return to you, Jesus says. But they had to be generous in offering peace, in accepting hospitality and also in the core of their ministry, in healing all those who are sick of that town and in proclaiming the message of the kingdom. It's verse 9. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God is upon you. It's not in the kind of near as in, well, you're nearly there. It's come near, it's in, it's it's present with you. It's arrived. Because what is the kingdom about? It's It's the reign of the king, isn't it? The reign of the king that they're representing as they come, go forward as his messengers. So they're to be proclaiming the kingdom of God is near. And they're to do this generously, proclaiming to all. Now, this might seem good. It's a good news kind of thing. You get to proclaim. If you're one of these disciples, you think, well, that's not too bad, you get to kill people and people generally like being healed and they generally like getting good news. But it's a two-edged sword because not everyone will accept this ministry. Jesus warns them that there will be those who accept it but there will be those who do not welcome them, who do not welcome their ministry, who do not welcome the news of the kingdom. And so... To them, there's bad news to deliver. There's a warning to be given, which is hard. It's hard work. It's a hard task to be given, to go and deliver bad news, to give the rebuke. We see Jesus expands on this. There's bad news. Uh, Verse 10, when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. symbolic gesture, we're we're leaving, we're not taking anything. We're leaving even your dust that's contaminated by your attitude and your rejection. We're wiping it off our feet. And yet be sure of this. What's the the warning message to give to them? What's the same as the good news, isn't it? It's exactly the same. Verse 11, the kingdom of God has come near. The message that is positive for some who are welcoming God's kingdom, is also the warning to those who are not. The kingdom of God has come near, these disciples are to proclaim to those who don't want to hear it. Because the rule of God's king to those who oppose him is bad news. It's bad news because it His rule will mean their judgment. And Jesus, he expands this. It'll be more bearable for Sodom, the worst kind of town, the poster boy for evil, who got destroyed in the Old Testament in Abraham's day by God's judgment, fire raining down from heaven. Jesus says... It's going to be better for them than for you, you who hear this news of the kingdom and who do not welcome it. And he lists off some of these towns, Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum, towns around this area where he'd been doing his ministry, where he'd been performing miracles and he hadn't been received willingly. He says, more bearable for those evil towns of Sodom and Tyre and Sidon Um, kingdoms that were opposed to ancient Israel in the Old Testament. Much judgment was prophesied for them. But better to be those foreign nations, those other towns, than to have heard the news of the kingdom and not welcomed it. The disciples will be involved in delivering bad news. And Jesus finishes this section by reminding them that it's not personal. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, Jesus says. Your ministry is ultimately, it's going to bring people into this decision. They're going to make a response, but really the, the response is about me. It's not about you as you carry out this role, this task. It's about me. Whoever rejects you rejects me and whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. God himself, the father. So there's kind of there's some good news in that, that ultimately it's not personal. As they go about this role, whether things go well or not, it's, they're not carrying the weight of that on their shoulders. But I don't know, at a careers expo, There's no room for personal distinguishment, is there? If ultimately it's people responding to Jesus, then there's no room to go, well, look how well I've carried out my my role. I should get promoted. Maybe I should kind of get Prince of the Kingdom or something like that. There's There's no room for personal glory because ultimately it's God's kingdom. It's His harvest field. It's his kingdom, it is his king, Jesus, the son of God. And so the responses people make are ultimately to him. This is the costly career that Jesus is sending these disciples on, a career that's not their own, a career that's dangerous, a career that involves humility And dependence, a career that requires them to be giving, a career that involves delivering news that will often be perceived as bad news, the stench of death. Paul describes this news of God's kingdom later on. It's a difficult, difficult career to go into, isn't it? Well, Jesus was sending out these 72 disciples in pairs on a specific mission as they preceded him throughout the towns as he moved towards Jerusalem. It was a specific role for a specific period because once he got to Jerusalem, he didn't need them to go ahead of him anymore in the same way. But for those who are disciples of Christ, he does appoint and send us on a mission, a mission very similar to this. Uh, He describes it in Matthew 28, these famous verses. Then Jesus came to them after he died and and resurrected. Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, here's the mission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here is the mission, not just for 72 disciples and note, not just for the 11 disciples that were left at this stage, because this is a mission that extends to the ends of the earth and to the end of time, far beyond the scope of those 11 disciples. This is a mission for all Jesus' disciples. This is the costly career that everyone who follows Christ is called to. The mission of proclaiming him making disciples throughout the world, teaching people to follow him, to obey him, baptising. This is what you and I have been called to, a costly career. And so many of the things that Jesus was warning his disciples about or explaining to them apply to us in this mission. It's still his harvest fields that we are called to. It is not our own personal kingdom that we are working for in this mission. It's his kingdom. We're still to be dependent and humble as we go about this work, relying on God to provide for our needs through other people, just as those disciples were, we're still not to be distracted by the temporary pleasures, by the personal comforts that this life can throw up. We're still to be generous towards others. Without being discriminatory and just kind of going to our favourites, the people we feel most comfortable with, no, we are to offer this ministry to all generously. Not knowing who it is that God himself is stirring up, whom he has chosen and called to be his disciples then it's not always obvious from the outside. In fact, sometimes it's completely counter to what we would expect, the way God works. And we're called to this ministry of proclaiming the king and his kingdom. It's a costly career, friends, but it is our career, all of us. As we follow Christ, we're involved in his kingdom. Every one of us, not just full-time pastors and full-time missionaries. There's a place for them as well. But this is the agenda for all of us. Does it sound appealing, this costly career? I've I've been kind of talking it down, haven't I? (laughs) Pointing out all those hard bits. But... The reality is, it is costly, but it's also a privilege. A privilege to be involved in what our king is doing. It's a privilege to be his ambassadors, to represent him. It's a privilege to be involved in his harvest field, where he declares that the fields are ripe for harvest to be involved in something that's going to endure long past the temporary things of this life. So, friends, you who have heard the call to follow Jesus, hear the call to this costly career and know That despite its dangers, it is a privilege and it is valuable. And as we pursue this, we're not serving a master who sits on above and kind of looks down, harshly demanding that we endure these difficult things. No, we follow the one who has, has walked this costly career ahead of us, hasn't he? Jesus, the one himself who embraced embraced a costly career for us. The one who came to his own kingdom and yet was rejected. The one who came amidst wolves. And though he knew they were there, he gave himself up to them. The one who accepted not just the hospitality and welcome that was offered when it came, fleeting though it was, but who also accepted the betrayal, who accepted the abuse, who accepted the ridicule and scorn, who accepted ultimately the Father's plan of suffering and death for us. We follow in this costly career the one who paid the ultimate price. But in doing so, made this made this career worthwhile. Friends, the workers are few. But the harvest is plentiful. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let me pray for us. Our great God, we thank you for inviting us, for sending us as disciples on on this costly career, this career of being involved in your kingdom, of proclaiming the news of the kingdom, throughout our lives. we Thank you that you choose to use us, involve us in what you're doing. And we pray that you would work through us. We pray that you would work through us as we hold out this news of the kingdom and that you'd be pleased to raise up more disciples and more workers for this costly career. We pray this for us and for our church. Please raise up more that we may be reaching further and more effective in proclaiming the news of the kingdom to Bromadary and the surrounds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.